Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, it is Eric Erickson. I'm glad to have you with me. I do want to get into the 303 Creative Ed. However, got to revisit first uh, the, the runoff in Georgia. A buddy of mine sent me this link. Let me read you the headline. The headline is, Republican hopes fade as Warnock momentum picks up in Georgia. And then... Here's the second paragraph. Both parties expect a close outcome on Tuesday in the closely divided state. Uh, there is an insider advantage poll out that has Warnock up to 50% to uh, Warnock 48%. Uh, I do get the sense it's going to be very, very close election uh, between the two. Uh, my gut tells me Warnock has the upper hand. He's outspending Walker like 10 to 1 at this point. It's absurd. Uh, the... I just read an article that Mitch McConnell has poured $11 million into the state. The National Republic Senatorial Committee has put in $700,000. They're fundraising off the National Republican Senatorial Committee under Rick Scott is fundraising off of Herschel Walker and giving 99% of the money to the NRSC, not to Herschel Walker. The Senate uh, Leadership Committee and uh, SLC or SLF for Mitch McConnell is spending $11 million to try to help Herschel Walker get across the finish line. Hard to make McConnell the bad guy here, but I'm sure some will try. I'm not a fan, but i got to defend him on this. I want to go to PJ, who's been waiting, who's been walking and knocking on doors for folks. PJ, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing well, Eric. How are you doing? Great. What's going on? So first off, I just want to say it's a real honor to talk to you. Um, I found you the other week when you were talking about the Colorado shooter and the nuclear family. It's one of the best discussions of, like, how important that is. I think I've heard most recent, so I wanted to thank you for that. So secondly, I wanted to tell you, I'm just canvassing out here in Georgia. Um, over my lifetime, I've had about close to 100,000 doors. I actually used to work for that group you mentioned, Americans for Prosperity in another state. They're a fantastic group, by the way. Everybody should work with them. But there's a couple different issues that Herschel's dealing with here, and I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on them. Uh, number one is that uh, I'm finding split households are not what you would think it would be. You'd probably think it was that the wife is going Democratic and the husband's going Republican because of the allegations against Herschel. It's actually the other way around. I've typically found that the mom is going Republican and the dad is going Democrat. And I'm finding that's because they view Herschel as a bit of a deadbeat dad, and that's hurting us with the white male college-educated vote in a way that we were doing very well with Governor Kemp. Um, on top of that, you mentioned the spending as well, but Warnock's grassroots operation is just really strong, and his early vote operation was unbeatable. Um, I'm canvassing out here in the rain right now, and I'm hitting these doors, and about half of all my doors are Election Day voters, which is a lot of voters. And if we had gotten these people out to vote by mail or vote early, we wouldn't be counting on them to show up tomorrow with probably long lines and potentially out in the rain. And so I want to get your thoughts, like how we get our party back to mail and voting and trusting the early voting uh, system, because we really screwed ourselves on this election day stuff, in my opinion. And the last thing is just Herschel's just Stability. People don't view him as intelligent or stable or characteristic of a sender. And I think the biggest thing from this election, and if you look at the polling on how liberal, generic, and MAGA Republicans 
did versus Trump's 2020 numbers, the biggest lesson of this election is the first party to stability and sanity wins. Yeah. If you make it hard to vote for your opponent, easy to vote for yourself, you're going to win. And with Herschel, we don't have that. But with Kemp, we did. He was stable and sane and made it about Stacey Abrams. Herschel, I love the guy, but he keeps putting his foot in his mouth, and it's got it's lost him voters. Yeah, I, I do think it's lost in voters. Now, listen, I, I, I'm, I will answer your questions, PJ. I'm going to let you go there because we got your windshield wipers going on in the background. We can hear <laughs> it is pouring down rain. By the way, this is part of the problem for election day voters too. It's going to pour down rain in Georgia tomorrow, across the state. All these people who say they're going to go vote for Herschel Walker are they really when it's cold and pouring down rain? Are they really going to go stand in the polls? when it's going to be 60 degrees and 100% humidity and rain. To PJ's first point, um, the split household data actually fascinates me, and I I understand that. And, you know, it, it is interesting to me in a lot of the Christian communities that I am deeply involved in, it is the women who are deeply unenthusiastic about Herschel Walker because of the allegations. Like hardcore evangelical community, women, they don't want to go vote for Herschel. They feel like they sold themselves out to support Trump. They don't want to have to do it again. But in just your your suburban middle-class household, yeah, the data's there. It, it's uh, the men who don't want to go with Walker. The women are willing to go with Walker uh, for a variety of reasons. Crime and 401ks and Republican control is one of those big issues. It's been an interesting dichotomy in the split that I don't know that most people have appreciated. Uh, in the, in hardcore evangelical communities, it's the women who don't want to vote at all. In the suburban communities, it's men voting Warnock, women voting Walker. The abortion issue uh, has not really hindered Walker with women per se, but other issues have uh, across the board. Republicans have got to get their heads out of their rear ends when it comes to early voting. You know, Donald Trump was on social media again the other day railing against early voting. And that's going to cost the GOP. When Republicans decide they want to win again, they will figure out you have to do early voting. I don't know that a lot of them say they want to win right now, but they're not acting like it. If you really want to win, you play by the rules as they are, not the rules you wish them to be. And the rules the Republicans wish were there were rules against early voting, and those rules are not there. The rules are early voting, game on. So the GOP needs to go play by those rules, and they're not. What they've got to start doing is realizing they got to man up. And they used to be dominant at this. People forget that in the 90s and the early 2000s, Republicans crushed it on early voting. When early voting became a thing, it was Republicans who were the first ones to figure out a strategy to get people to go vote. But over the last couple of years, we've had a guy down in Florida telling people election early voting is fraud. It's theft. Elections are stolen. Don't go do it. Donald Trump remains on social media, on true social, railing against early voting, that if you early vote, they're just going to not count your vote. They're going to steal it. I can tell you I voted by absentee, and I voted for Herschel Walker. I want the Republicans to tie up the Senate. So I voted for Walker. And I voted by absentee ballot. I filled out the form. I put down my driver's license number. 
I sent it in, and a few days later, I got a text message from the Board of Elections informing me that they had processed my application and were mailing me my ballot. I got it the very next day after that text message. I filled it out that day, put a stamp on it, drove it to the post office, put it in the mailbox, and the very next day, I got a text message that my absentee ballot had been returned and was validly filled out and it would be counted. So I know my vote is going to count. And I'm glad. And it's a great process that the Republicans in Georgia came up with. And it has incentivized people to vote. And we're having record turnout in the black community, the white community, the Hispanic community, the Asian community. Undeterred, however, you've got progressives like this guy from Mother's Jones who says otherwise. No, I, I think what we're seeing in Georgia, Jonathan, is that there were a lot of new barriers placed in front of voters in Georgia. And Georgia voters have been very motivated to try to overcome those barriers. So first, if you look at the general election in Georgia, the new restrictions on voting put in place made it much harder to vote by mail. So a lot of people shifted to in-person early voting in the general election. Then in the runoff, they dramatically shortened the runoff period and dramatically shortened the number of early voting days from a minimum of 16 days of early voting last time to a minimum of five early voting days this time. That meant there has been very long lines in Georgia during the runoff, an average of two to three hour waits at some polling places in metro Atlanta. But we've seen that voters have been very motivated to stay in those lines. Mm. What we don't know is how many people aren't voting because they either want to vote by mail and can't or because they don't want to wait in those long lines, which have been known as a, quote, time tax, because a lot of people just don't have time to wait two or three hours to vote. So this narrative that voter suppression doesn't exist because there's high voter turnout has been very misleading and pushed by a lot of advocates of voter suppression in Georgia and elsewhere. Don't you love that? So we don't know how many people have decided not to go vote because of the time tax the time to stand in line, that that's voter suppression now. You can't prove this negative, folks. Surely there's someone who thinks, oh, the line's so long, I'll go tomorrow. Up oh, the line's so long. Who is that? Go find that person. This is the mythology of the left, voter suppression. Voter fraud, by the way, is the mythology of the right. Yes, does fraud happen? It absolutely happens. There have been ev- ev- instances of it. In fact, uh, up in North Carolina, there's a conservative talk radio show host, apparently, who um, had committed a felony and voted nine times when he shouldn't have. And yes, there are some instances of voter suppression out there, but none of them are very major. Where the right claims is voter voter fraud and the left claims are voter suppression happen, but They don't have a major impact on anything. It's just the things that both sides tell themselves to explain their losses. This whole idea that that somehow Stacey Abrams lost because people had to stand in line. I've had to stand in lines on Election Day. I didn't think, oh, somebody's suppressing me. No, I thought there's a lot of people voting. This is good for democracy. Personally, I think we should all show up on Election Day and have to stand in line together in the heat or the cold. Now— Brian Kemp is out there on the campaign trail today in Georgia. 
for Herschel Walker. And he's telling people that the reason to vote for Herschel Walker is that uh, Raphael Warnock has voted with Joe Biden 96% of the time. And as if to help him, here's Joe Biden today. I can't think of anything he hadn't voted for with us. Uh, there, there may be something. I, I, you know, I, I know it's a problem because they're running against him saying he votes 98% of the time with Joe Biden. Uh, I wouldn't tell him that on the phone. But, uh. <laughs> but I can't think of anything he hadn't voted with against me on. There you go. Kind of telling. Um, wow. So this is this is what it comes down to, Georgia. Do you want someone who votes all the time with Joe Biden? Or do you want to tie up the Senate and give the Republicans a fighting chance to block bad nominees and bad stuff? This is this is on the Republicans in Georgia. There are more Republicans than there are Democrats in Georgia. If those Republicans turn out and vote for Herschel Walker, he wins. I don't know that they will. They got to. If they want Walker to win, they got to do that, but it's on them. Now, the bottom of this hour, because I got to spend some time on this topic, I do want you to know the 303 Creative, it's been argued before the Supreme Court during the commercial breaks. I haven't run to the bathroom as much as I probably should. That's okay. I can make it. Got my legs crossed. I've been reading the transcripts of the oral arguments. It's been really impressive, and it's frightening what the Democrats want. This case matters greatly. And if you're a person of faith in particular, this is the next front of persecution if this case goes the wrong way. At the bottom of this hour, I want to talk to you about it. I'll take your phone calls as well when we come back, 877 973 7425. Before I get to it, though, we have new Democratic leaders in the House of Representatives. One of them is named Catherine Clark. And she talked about her nightmares this weekend. And you need to hear what she had nightmares about. A friend of mine and I were discussing bull and branch sheets the other night when he was sitting on the front porch with me, and he didn't believe that they got softer and softer every time you wash them. His wife was not convinced at all. She figured it was all marketing hype. Now she wants bull and branch sheets for all of their beds at home. Why? Because they really do get softer every time you wash them. They're free of toxins, pesticides, harsh chemicals at every step of the process. They're the finest 100% organic cotton on earth. They're made by artisans who earn the pay and the respect they deserve and right now you can bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with bowl and branch bedding their signature sheets even come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box it's going to look good it's going to feel great for a limited time get 20 percent off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code eric at bowlandbranch.com that's bowlandbranch b-o-l-l-a-n-d branch.com promo code is eric e-r-i-c-k at bowlandbranch.com Hello, welcome. We got to get into 303 Creative, the bottom of this hour, big day at the Supreme Court, really big day with profound implications. But before we get there, Catherine Clark will be, I think, the number three in the House, maybe number two, number three in the House for the Democrats. We got a changing of the guard now. I got to play you this audio. Listen to this audio of her talking about her kid. 
but they've also given us a model to become our own leaders. And let me tell you what it means to, to me coming in as a different generation. I remember my middle child waking up with nightmares over concern around climate change. Her middle child woke up with nightmares over concerns about climate change. My kid woke up with a nightmare the other day that she had missed the Taylor Swift concert. (laughs) I mean, what are these people doing to their kids? They're screwing up their kids so much they're throwing their kids into existential night terrors over climate change? Really? Maybe it was just a nightmare about Greta Thunberg scowling, but I I don't know that that was it. Y'all, the left really have just lost their minds on climate change. That this woman will be one of the ranking Democrats. And it's I, I maybe it's what the kid is learning at school, but it's a choice of the parents to put the kid in school there. The kid is waking up with nightmares about climate change. What is going on here with the, the unhealthy mental attitude of Democrats? So there's a... There's a website I read, and I want to be polite here. The guy's gone through some stuff. And he took a sabbatical from running a website that he's run for years, kind of unplugged from everything. And I just thought it was good for him to unplug from stuff because everything, every time he talked about climate change or the news, it was always uh, with a level of despair, like this guy's not well in the head. So I was glad he took a break, and he's back now, and I don't know that it'll do him any good. But one of the things that always got him worked up in addition to gun violence was climate change. And I just, I feel so bad for people who are worked up about it because you're not going to solve the problem. I know that they've convinced themselves that if only the United States will give up capitalism, the world will be safe. But China's just pulled the wool over their eyes. And if everyone in this country, save one person, does everything right, that one person is still going to lead the whole country to hell in a handbasket, according to these people. You can do everything right, and if your neighbor has an SUV, you're going to hell still. The world will be a living hell. That's not a healthy way to live your life. And when you are a ranking member of Congress and you have given your child nightmares about climate change or put your child in an environment where the child can have nightmares about climate change, you're not doing your family any favors, but also how are you going to set public policy to absolve your kid of the nightmares? Well, if you want to absolve your kid of the nightmares of global warming, there's got to be a bad guy. And I suspect that bad guy is one of the major American corporations actually keeping the United States free and prosperous or the people who work for those corporations or the people who drive their vehicles and consume their products. This isn't good for her and her family, and it's certainly not good for the rest of us if she's a public policymaker. Y'all... It's time to adapt. They, they told us we had 10 years left, so that means it's like, what, seven years left, and we still haven't done anything. We're, we're not we're, – we're crossing any tipping point they thought we were going to tip over. We are. And now with, with the war in Ukraine and stuff, you've got these countries in Europe back to burning fossil fuels. We're simply not going to change as a nation or as a world. You might as well learn to adapt and maybe realize it's not as bad as your your nightmare scenarios claimed it was. In fact, 
it is not nearly as bad. Even if it's true, it's not nearly as bad as their nightmare scenarios. And also, you got to separate out the natural phenomena portion from the rest of it. When we come back, something that could be bad if this case gets lost in the Supreme Court, 303 Creative, you will be made to care, folks. I've said that for years. The Supreme Court case is a reminder. You will be made to care, and you need to know what happened. Americans for Prosperity plays to win. That matters a lot to me. I know a lot of D.C.-based organizations that just want to pass paper around to other Beltway insiders or claim they speak for everyday Americans without ever having to leave Washington, D.C. Americans for Prosperity is different. They're not a think tank. They're grassroots do tank. Americans for Prosperity is a one-of-a-kind, freedom-oriented, limited government advocacy and accountability organization that actually takes action to expand opportunity for all Americans and defend your freedom of speech. They're doing great work at all levels of government. What's their secret? Well, they don't really rely on Washington. They've built a network of concerned citizens who are stepping up for freedom in communities all around the country. If you want to learn more, if you want to find out how to get involved with Americans for Prosperity with a chapter near you, and I assure you, they have a chapter near you, check them out at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. That's americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. I, I got to play a clip for you from 303 Creative versus Ellenus at the United States Supreme Court. You're going to hear two voices, Neil Gorsuch, Justice of the United States Supreme Court, and the Colorado Solicitor General. They're talking about Jack Phillips. Jack Phillips is the baker at Masterpiece Cake Shop. Jack Phillip is renowned for his artistic creations in cake form. And Jack Phillips went to the Supreme Court because Jack Phillips is a devout Christian. Jack Phillips does not make cakes to celebrate Halloween because he thinks it's a pagan holiday. Jack Phillips will not make wedding cakes if he knows you're in a second marriage because divorce is a sin. And Jack Phillips will not make cakes for gay weddings because he believes marriage is between a man and a woman. And so Jack Phillips has been targeted. There are more than a dozen bakeries within a five-mile radius of Jack Phillips' cake shop. And he's been targeted by progressives to be shut down because a gay couple went to Jack Phillips and said, would you make us a cake? Uh, for our gay wedding, and he said he was a Christian, and he could not, but he had a ready-made cake, a beautiful, multi-tiered cake, and for those who he consciously objected to doing work for, he provided those cakes. And the gay couple said, okay, will you put our same-sex wedding couple on top, the figurines? And Jack said, no, you do that. You, I'll give you the cake. You, you decorate it the way you want it. And they sued because he wouldn't put the figurines on top of the cake. And the Colorado Civil Rights Commission compared Jack Phillips to a Nazi and said his refusal to custom design a cake for a same-sex wedding or to provide them a cake but not put the same-sex wedding topper on it was akin to being a Nazi. It went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court did not side with Jack Phillips on the merits. They sided with him because there was obvious sustained hostility to him by the Colorado Civil Rights Commission to compare him to a Nazi for not wanting to bake a cake. 
And now he's being sued again because upon winning the case at the Supreme Court on those technical grounds, a transgender legal activist demanded Jack Phillips make him a transition ceremony cake, and he refused. Within days of the Supreme Court victory, was sued again and hauled before the Colorado Civil Rights Commission again, and now it's winding its way through the court again. And in the 303 creative case today, that came up between Neil Gorsuch and the Colorado Solicitor General. I'm, I'm looking for the distinction between the two cases. One you say is okay, the other one not okay. Because the company, unlike our first example of the, the speechwriter, yeah. the company here says in no uncertain terms will they ever sell a company, a, a, a product or a service to a same-sex couple. No, what websites. they say is we will not sell to anyone, anyone. A, a message that I disagree with as a matter of religious faith, just as a speechwriter says, or the press release writer, the freelance writer says, I will not sell to anyone a speech that offends my religious beliefs. But here they are defining their service by excluding someone based on their... That's their religious belief. Well, in Colorado... You can't change their religious belief, right? No, but... but well, to... And you protect religious beliefs under the statute, right? That is one of the protected characteristics, yes. in theory. And in practice. If it wasn't in practice, we had heard about it over, over the past several years, and, and my friend has pointed to no example where this has been applied. Mr. Phillips did go through a re-education training program pursuant to Colorado law, did he not, Mr. Olson? He went through a, a process that ensured he was familiar it with... It was a re-education program, right? It was not a re-education program. What do you call it? It was a process to make sure he was familiar with Colorado law. Someone might be excused for calling that a re-education. I strongly program. disagree, Justice Gorsuch. Thank you, Mr. Olson. Oh, wow. That was one of the exchanges today over a 303 Creative. Let me explain the fact pattern of this case. 303 Creative is a company owned by a woman who is a devout Christian in Colorado. She designs beautiful websites. You know, there are places you can go, Squarespace, Wix, WordPress, and you can build your own website, and they're just kind of cut and paste, drop stuff in, plugins, and it builds the site. You add your text. But what if you want a custom site? I have a Squarespace site for my radio show right now. Uh, at some point, I got to get a custom site that can integrate all the different components of my show. But I needed a landing page as we went into national syndication. I could do it myself. I got something nice done. It, it, it does what I need for now. What if I wanted to go to this 303 Creative and do it? That lady would design the site from scratch, would agree with you on the wording, would come up with the photography. There would be no template. It would be her own unique design. And so this same-sex couple went to her and said, we want you to do the wedding site for our same-sex marriage. And she said she was very sorry, but she wouldn't do a website for them because she's a Christian and believes marriage is between a man and a woman. This is one of the, the very first things God establishes in Genesis 1 is male and female in a union. And so she is sued. And Colorado says she must be shut down. That she must use her artistic talents to support things she disagrees with. Now, it's a First Amendment issue. 
is it not? In fact, the Colorado Supreme Court and the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals in Colorado, the federal court, says it's a First Amendment issue. And there is a a precedent called strict scrutiny. If you violate someone's First Amendment rights outside of their uh, practice of religion— it must be with strict scrutiny. It must be the only way to accomplish the goal is to violate the First Amendment rights. And this is a speech case. It's not a practice of religion case. The argument here from 303 Creative is that if they are forced to set up a website using their artistic talents and writing skills to support a website for a cause they disagree with, they are being compelled to support speech they disagree with. They are being compelled to support an idea they disagree with. It would be like telling the Muslim you must draft the website for the Jewish baker or telling the black man you must draft the website for the local KKK chapter. What Gorsuch was getting at and so many others— is that you can't compel people. You just simply can't compel people to support the causes they don't support. It's a very basic matter of free speech. But the left just refuses to see it any other way. Here's Justice Sam Alito and Eric Olson, the Solicitor General of Colorado. Uh, in light of what Justice Kennedy wrote in Obergefell about uh, honorable people who object to same-sex marriage, do you think it's fair to equate opposition to same-sex marriage with opposition to interracial marriage? Yes, because in how the law applies, not in in the discussion uh, with folks, because, of course, honorable people have different views on this issue. But I think when you look at what Justice Kennedy said uh, there, the way to honor that requirement is, as this court has set forth in Fulton, in Masterpiece, of having a rigorous interrogation to make sure that there are uh, neutral and generally applicable laws applied, in fact, that way, that don't single out religion. And then the very next sentence of what Justice uh, Kennedy said in Obergefell, talked about when, tra- when it transformed that honest uh, and decent disagreement transformed uh, into enacted law and policy. The necessary consequence is to put the imprimatur of the state on that exclusion. And I think if this court were to say that the imprimatur of this court would allow a web designer to say no same-sex people allowed or allow a school photographer to say uh, you know, no pictures well, of... Do you think Justice... In other words, he's saying that interracial marriage and gay marriage are exactly the same thing and must be treated that way under the law. Here's the problem, folks. There is a multi-thousand-year religious tradition about the designs of marriage. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the word used in Genesis 1-1 is called bara in, in Hebrew. It's a word that only applies to God. It means divinely created. So 
you skip a few chapters over and you get to the Tower of Babel and uh, humans did not barah the Tower of Babel. They didn't create or build the Tower of Babel using that word. It's a different word. The Bible says God barah everything. God barah the planets, the stars, the sky, the universe, the animals, the plants, the oceans, man and woman, and then uses the same word to talk about the male and female union. So Christians and Orthodox Jews and Muslims who believe they descend from Abraham all believe that God himself created the marriage institution divinely in a way you and I cannot, nor can we redefine what God himself has done. So you may individually say that, well, you don't care. It's not a big deal. But you will be made to care by progressives who insist that for purposes of normalization, for purposes of acceptance, the whole world must work the same way. And what is for you is for them. And that they can't have a semblance of normalcy without you being forced by government to embrace their worldview. The problem is that when you are forced by government to give someone the semblance of normalcy, you are being made to care. And so there's still not legitimacy there. There's still resentment because they know you're only being forced to adhere as opposed to them having to learn to live and let live with people who disagree based on religion. And for those who say, well, people hid behind religion for interracial marriage. Yes, in this country they did. But they had to twist the words just like progressive uh, preachers like Raphael Warnock twist the words today. It's the same sorts of arguments. Nowhere in the world was interracial marriage denounced based on Scripture except in the southern United States based on the twisted words of, of some preachers to defend the Confederacy. But universally, through multiple religions, same-sex marriage has been condemned, whether you like it or not. And to force a Christian to have to give up their way of life, to use their artistic talents to embrace your worldview, should be frowned upon by everyone. As Justice Gorsuch repeatedly noted today, this woman is not saying she's opposed to doing a website for same-sex marriage. She's opposed to doing a website for anything or anyone that violates her religious beliefs. And what the state is asking is for this woman to be forced to provide goods and services to a cause that violates her religious beliefs. It would be like making the Muslim or the Jew cut up, butcher, and eat the pork to make sure it tasted good for a Protestant. The same sort of thing. And the left insists you be made to care. You must take a side, you must pick the right side, or you must be canceled. That's what's at stake before the Supreme Court today. Should a person be compelled by the state to use their artistic talents for a cause they dislike or be put out of business. This should be a nine-to-nothing decision by the Supreme Court. Even Elena Kagan from the the bench suggested the Colorado Solicitor General's argument went too far. Part of the pushback on behalf of conservatives on this case 
comes from groups like Patriot Mobile, which helps fund the legal groups that advocate for the faith-based communities that are fighting back on these sorts of laws. Uh, they're on the right side, and they take a portion of your profits to help fund the pro-life cause, the pro-Second Amendment cause, uh, the conservative movement, uh, the, the the Christian legal jurisprudential movement, because they're Christian conservatives. They care about this sort of stuff, and they take a portion of the profits they get from you doing business with them to promote them, and you can do business with them by going to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. I'm not kidding. This actually is the perfect tie-in here. We didn't set this up by design. Uh, it's just Patriot Mobile is a Christian conservative company, and they do take a portion of their profits to advocate for the causes that you care about, including ones like this, the faith-based legal community and others. Uh, they're such a good group, and they give guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers everyone else uses, and then they take a portion of their profits and give it to these causes. You can do business with them by going to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can also call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. 973-PATRIOT is the number. Tell them I sent you. You get uh, free activation. You get the guaranteed great service. You can go online to patriotmobile.com slash Eric and just check out the maps all the way down to your house to see how strong their signal coverage is. patriotmobile.com slash Eric or 973-PATRIOT. How bizarre. So some, I, I, I want to even leave names out of this, but there's a guy on social media, and I realize it's on social media, uh, but he, he's got a whole bunch of urban hipsters. To be upset about the idea, prepare yourselves for this, to be upset about the idea of people having apartments that have washers and dryers in them. That it's bad for the environment, bad for water usage, and no one does laundry every day, so why should they have him? You will not be surprised to learn this is a 20-something male who is childless. My wife, I think, does the laundry every day. Every day, she just keeps it moving. She's in a rhythm and keeps it going uh, every day. May maybe she takes off Sundays, typically, until the sun sets, and then she's back at it. Uh, my wife keeps laundry. I mean, it is a deal. We have kids. We have this thing called children. It is really striking to me to see the, the growing number of 20 and 30-something urban progressives who wish to set public policy for the tens of millions of the rest of us who live lives outside urban enclaves, who can't get the battery-powered car and can't go to the laundromat and sit 90 minutes every couple of weeks because we'd be there every day. with it's just, The whole thing is bizarre. These people really think that they should order society to them as opposed to letting people live and let live and understand that there are variations Charles de Gaulle once said, uh, there is Paris and there is France, and neither, the, never the two shall meet. And it's like the urbanites think that there is New York, and it is America, and the rest of the country needs to get with the program. And I don't think that's going to fly. I don't think it does fly with people, and yet these are the trendsetters. And that's why I think the Democrats have got to be cautious in how they read the November election. That was not the blowout even they expected for the GOP. Everybody did except for a handful of contrarians who happened to get it right this time. 
but they misread this as an embrace of their agenda as opposed to a rejection of crazy town. They're going to embrace crazy and it's going to get seriously rejected because in every place the GOP didn't go crazy town, they won big, including here in Georgia, all across the state, other than Herschel Walker's seat. And he could still pull it off tomorrow in a runoff. Bring you the latest when I get back tomorrow behind the microphone. Y'all have a great rest of the day.